Jeevan Singh is a security engineer manager at Segment, where he's embedding security into all aspects of the software development process. Jeevan enjoys building security culture within organizations and educating staff on security best practices. Before life in the security space, Jeevan had a wide variety of development and leadership roles over the past 15 years. Jeevan joins us to speak about self-serve threat modeling at Segment, or threat modeling based in democracy. We discuss their focus with the program, how it fits in their development methodology, and their ultimate goal with threat modeling. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Jeevan Singh. Are you trying to build a security champions program? Everyone is these days. One challenge of rolling out security champions is, how do we educate all these new folks? Security Journey has your answer. We provide a security dojo environment with level-based security education that gives your newfound champions a path to follow. And the best part? It requires almost zero administration by you. Visit www.securityjourney.com to set up a demo and learn how you can use the security dojo to connect with your security champions. Folks, welcome to another episode of the Application Security Podcast. This is Chris Romeo, co-host of the podcast and CEO of Security Journey. Robert is on a cross-state tour at the moment right now on his way to a graduation, so it's just going to be me today. And I'm excited to talk about something that we talk about all the time on the Application Security Podcast, and that is in reference to threat modeling. So I'm joined today by Jeevan Singh, and we are going to talk about threat modeling based in democracy. Jeevan, we always jump right in. We never give our guests even a second to warm up. We jump right into your security origin story and let you tell our audience, how'd you get into this crazy world about security? Fantastic. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm very excited to be on the podcast um, my security origin story, I want to start, I want to say started in university. Um, I had, we all have those sort of friends that, uh, don't show up to class all the time. Um, I had one particular friend like that. And, uh, one day, um, on my way to school, I was picking him up and he's like, uh, Jeevan, you got to come in. I got to show you something. And I came in, um, I looked at, uh, he showed me his computer and he'd been going through and trying to break uh, a bunch of usernames and passwords uh, um, as part of the university. Um, and he went through, he, were able, he was able to break about a third, never did anything with the, the information, but um, it clicked in my mind. I'm like, what's happening here? And how can I prevent my friend from uh, getting my username and password at university? And it all sort of rolled from there. From there, um, I took a upper level engineering course where it, dealt with a lot of crypto cryptography. And then I picked up the code book. Um, I have the big red book of uh, cryptography as well. And then my first job um, after graduation um, was at a, a domain name registrar and e-commerce site. Um, and it was really early days of the internet. Um, and we we're looking through some of the logs and we saw a bunch of requests that were very weird. We're like, how did this individual get all this super secret information? 
Um, and it sort of sparked a little bit more interest. My next job um, was at a market research company. They made applications for market research. And anytime we did a pen test, I ran over to the director of engineering, grabbed the pen test from his hands, and I'm like, I'm going to fix all these vulnerabilities. So um, it just kept on sparking more and more interest. I started doing a little bit more work, security work at that company. Um, and then we had a fantastic uh, VP of security that was like, you know what? Why don't we just pull you over on the, the security team full time? So after a couple of days of thinking about it, because I always thought I was going to be a developer and stay down the development path, um, they pulled me over to the security side. And literally after the first day, I was like, I'm never going back to development. I love development, but security is security. Like, within the first day, I was so energized. And every day has been like that since. Uh, so that's sort of where I come from on the security side. <laughs> Now, the question I always ask folks that, that come from a development background, is any of your code still in production anywhere? Ter terrifying to think. I suspect a lot of it is still <laughs> in production. <laughs> um, I worked really hard at that uh, market research company to try to deprecate as much of the code that uh, I had written, but I think still some is floating out around there. <laughs> I think that's true for all of us. That's why we're so focused on secure coding now and into the future, because we know that there's some remnant of our code that's out there floating around somewhere on the internet, which probably prevents us from sleeping just a little bit once in a while. So we're going to talk about threat modeling, though. And I know you've written this blog post that we'll put in the show notes so that people can can have some some deeper perspective. But I really want to understand this this program that you've built, because that's one of the things that was really interesting from my perspective is that you didn't just come out and say, hey, we got this process. We got this, you know, we got this new idea about threat modeling. There's you've taken all of what you've done and you've, you've built a program around it. And so let's start by introducing this idea of self-serve threat modeling. And I'm really curious as to well, let's let's start there. Let's start with what is self-serve threat modeling from your perspective? Yeah. Uh, from our perspective here at Segment, our goal of self-serve threat modeling is that the security engineering team, the ones that we, the one, the folks that do threat modeling, sort of detach ourselves from the threat modeling process. We really believe that the engineers, the developers that we have, are the ones that should be doing the threat modeling. Um, they have the most context on their feature. Um, they may lack a little bit of the security intuition, which we'll teach, but ultimately uh, they write the code. They're the ones that should know where the vulnerabilities are and they can find them better. So um, the process is that at some point, the security engineering team will, we won't ever do threat models unless we feel that uh, it is important for us to be there. But the vast majority of threat models uh, should be done by the engineering teams themselves. So that's certainly that's the model that I like. I love as well, as far as how do we enable developers? How do we how do we prepare them so that they can go and do these types of things? I think 
you see some organizations still using the more classic model of saying, hey, security threat models, and then developers have to fix whatever comes out of it. And so I think, I think the way you've approached this is, is the way that I recommend that most people do. I'm curious as to like, what are the challenges that you've seen in trying to push developers towards taking ownership of, of this threat modeling approach? Yeah, I, I want to say we didn't run into too many challenges. Um, segment, segments really bought into security. Um, our entire executive team down all the way to the individual contributors are super uh, hyper aware that security is important. Um, so when we were selling this idea to the engineering team themselves, so we sold the fact that, listen, it's only going to be a bit of training that you'll need, and it's not even that much. And with with how fast things are progressing at Segment, we're growing rapidly. Security is going to become more and more of a bottleneck, and we don't want that to happen. Um, we want engineering to be enabled. We want to make sure that you maintain your velocity. So if we spend a little bit of time up front uh, to train you, um, it's going to save so much time in the future. In addition, we think that uh, once you're trained, you're going to be way better at threat modeling than we are anyway. So not only are you going to be faster, you're going to perform much, much better threat models because you know the code a lot more. You know where the bodies are buried. It's just uh, um, with us coming in, it, we look at the thing for an hour or two, and then we have to come up with a bunch of threats. But whereas you're in there day in and day out, you know how an adversary can potentially take advantage of the flaws in your system. So it wasn't that much of a sell in order to get uh, engineering on board. So when the when the engineering teams start performing a threat model, what are what are some of the challenges that you see f that, that that they let you know about um, when they first get into start using this 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 approach that you've given to them? Are they do they find that they don't have a perspective on some of the base security knowledge? They don't understand the threats. They don't understand how to get to threats. Like, what are, are any challenges like that, or is the yeah. process just really smooth? Uh, gotcha. Um, so, yeah, um, we spent the past year training the engineering team on threat modeling basics and how to threat model. So, it's a three part uh, course training that we do. The very first part is is a simple way of just approaching threat modeling, um, and then the second part is getting your hands a little bit dirty, going through a few exercises. And the third part is that uh, if we have a specific team that we're training, we'll review some of their um, systems and we'll actually threat model one of their systems. Um, and in that particular session, we're co-owning it. So one particular engineer will help us set it all up and then they will um, describe the system to everyone in attendance. And then we do a deep dive from there. But in addition to that, we're not just saying, hey, um, here, you've got it. It's yours now. Um, we don't throw them off the deep end. We want to make sure that uh, it, it took me several years to get better at threat modeling. We want to give them that space and that capacity so that they can learn and get better at it. So now that they've been trained, um, they are leading the threat modeling sessions. Security is still there. Um, but we try to be a little bit more quiet and sort of coach them to finding some vulnerabilities. So if we discover something, 
will give hints and say, hey, think about the, this sort of attack or think about um, uh, this particular weakness in your system. And we'll try getting them to discover those vulnerabilities themselves. Um, and then once we have confidence that they're able to discover all the critical and high vulnerabilities, we'll take a step back and we'll just uh, have them do it without us being in the room. And we'll just review the artifacts and make sure that everything's on board. And once they are able to, at that point, when we're sort of observing the artifacts, if they're able to do the critical high and medium vulnerabilities at that point, we, don't, we feel that we don't need to be a part of the process anymore. So it's a nice, slow, multi-year project so that we get our developers uh, into a better place and sort of make them mini security engineers as part of the organization. Just to, to recap, to make sure I, I understand how how this flow works, because I love it. I love I love what I'm hearing here. So part of the training program for you as a security team is we're working ourselves out of a job when it comes to threat modeling. Like you, you want so how do you how do you do you have any formal kind of way that you measure when somebody's ready to move to kind of these the next phase all the way to the phase where they're completely out on their own? Is it like a is it just kind of a gut feeling or is there is there a formal methodology that you're using to measure to say this team's ready to fly? Push them out yeah. of the nest. So we're in that phase right now where we are um, taking the back seat. We're still in the threat modeling sessions. And uh, as threat modeling sessions come up, um, we'll just observe and make sure that uh, that the engineering teams are able to and are capable of uh, doing all the threat models on their own. Um, we're hoping that it's a little bit of cut, but measurable as well, because we want to make sure that they are able to identify all the critical and highs um, while we're observing them. And if they can do it for a consistent, consistent amount of time, at that point, we will take a step back. So probably going to give it like three or five threat models in a row that we are not helping them discover any critical or high vulnerabilities. Um, at that point, we will take our step back and let them say that, you know what, you're good enough to do it on your own. Just continue to create the threat modeling tickets and just uh, um, make sure you attach the artifacts after you've threat modeled. So you mentioned threat modeling tickets. Is that a metric that you're using? Are you managing or not managing to that metric? I hate that idea of managing to a metric. Is that something that you're watching just to, just to see how broad and wide your threat modeling program is operating? Yeah. So we, every time there is a, we have a software design document, um, SDD. Um, once that's generated and there are, uh, we give a checklist of security questions. Um, if they answer yes to any of those security questions, the engineering team knows that they need to generate a threat modeling ticket or a secure security review ticket, we call it internally. Um, and then at that point, uh, a security engineer will be um, assigned to the ticket and we'll, we'll have a once over, make sure everything we should be threat modeling or reviewing this particular uh, design. Um, and we keep a track of the, so those are the tickets themselves. And then when we are closing off the ticket, um, we have a little um, uh, box that we fill in a drop down to see who actually, what type of threat model was done. Was it uh, security led or did security do it completely on their own? Was it security led 
Was it engineering led? Was security even in the room? Um, and did security even look at it? So those are the different type of options that we have. And right now it's mostly been engineering led just because we're trying to make sure that they are trained in the right fashion for doing the threat models themselves. Hmm. So is segment operating in a full DevOps mode? from a general software delivery perspective? Uh, DevOps is a very loaded term. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. I love that answer. Because I agree hundred percent with you. That's a very loaded term. Uh, I'm just I'm just trying to I'm trying to trying to understand what what software development methodology you're using so that then I can understand how your threat modeling or where your threat modeling is layered in reference to whether you're doing agile, whether you're doing DevOps, whether you're doing Kanban, whether you're doing <laughs> waterfall. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you're not doing waterfall, but I had to throw it in there for all my <laughs> waterfall fans out there. Yeah. So the engineering team, they own everything end to end. We have internal CICD tools that help them deploy code to production, but they're responsible for deploying their own systems, measuring, making sure that their um, the uptime is there, things are the errors, there's not too many great errors. So they completely own that entire end-to-end um, -end mechanism for it. Um, there, we don't have a particular um, application operations team where they're monitoring and making sure everything, they're not the individual teams are deploying code themselves uh, rather than having a centralized team that does code deployments. So then does your threat modeling, um, your self-serve threat modeling, does it fit kind of like somebody gets a, they grab a user story or there's some user story that's been committed, it's been already been approved by product management, and then it undergoes a threat model before anybody starts writing any code? Or is it, you know, kind of tell me a little bit more about that process, if you would. Absolutely. So we we try fitting into our security development lifestyle cycle like that. So product management will come up with a bunch of requirements. We have security folks that will review the requirements to make sure everything is fine. Um, then it gets switched over to the SDD, the uh, software design document, where the developers, uh, they look at the requirements, come up with a design, have an architecture for it. And then before any, they'll answer the security questions and create the security operational tickets. Um, and before any code is written, um, it is expected that we threat model. So we really believe that uh, if you can do a security review in the design phase, it's the cheapest way to fix vulnerabilities. Um, we're just, no code has been written, no architecture has been um, deployed to production. So um, everything is in the design phase. It's very easy and cheap to fix it at that point. Um, but having said that, uh, we still do a lot of uh, retrospective ones, not because individuals had deployed it recently, but older stuff. Uh, we want to make sure that we're continuously reviewing older systems and we it may not be looked at it in a year. There might have been smaller changes that weren't threat model worthy, but we want to make sure that we do retrospective threat models just to make sure the, the state of our systems as well. Are those retrospective threat models being done by the engineering team as well? Or is that something that you as security are doing? That's a great question. And yes, we're pushing the engineering teams to lead those sessions. And we're there listening in, helping them find vulnerabilities there. So it's even though um, security is wanting to do those um, retrospective threat models, 
we still want to have a coachable moment where we're teaching the engineering team how they should be threat modeling. So um, every opportunity and every interaction that we have with engineering, we want to make sure that they're learning, they're growing, and they're going to be doing security um, uh, in the future. Ken, I think it's I think it's worth stopping for just a second and and acknowledging this kind of design point that you're specifically putting forth. This is really an industry best practice. Not enough people are doing this the way you are, where they're saying, "Hey, this is going to be developer first. We're going to empower and assist our developers in doing threat modeling." Instead of telling them exactly how everything needs to be, um, I think there's there, right now in our industry there's there's a, a good amount of tension still between security and dev, and I think the tide is really changing. Though it's we've got the the days of developers saying you know we don't care about security, we're kind of they're they're kind of it's kind of becoming more towards security trying to grab on and hold on to what they own, what they're responsible for, what their expertise is. I'm not saying in your, your example is the opposite of, of this model that I'm, but that, that's what I think a lot of folks are struggling with is, Hey, um, we're security. We know how to threat model. We do the threat modeling. We give you the results. You flip that model upside down. And I think that's one, it's the only thing that scales, right? Because we know you can't have, a security engineer for every developer. Like imagine how big companies would be. Let's just double our engineering team and that'll be the security people over there. Like that, that's, that's just such a crazy idea. It couldn't even be possible. So I think what you're doing right now is really where everybody in the industry needs to be going towards. And as security people, we got to start being more comfortable going, we're going to let a little bit of this go. How do you, how do you now, now I've got another question based on that. How do you balance the perfection of a threat model, which we all know there's no such thing as a perfect threat model, but as security people that, that have done threat modeling for a long time, how do you balance the output that comes from an engineer-led threat model versus what would have come from your threat model? How do you not be annoying? I can't think of another way to say it, but how do you not be <laughs> annoying to the engineering team as a security person? What are, what are some recommendations you'd have for people that might struggle more in this area? I love that question because the very first, um, the very first engineering led threat model that I was part of, it was me and another staff level engineer. So we joined, we had already reviewed the system. We already had some thoughts and we we're ready to sort of coach the engineering team. So th this particular engineer, I was either a staff or a principal and there were a couple of senior folks there and everything that we had considered, um, was, was something that they considered as well. And it was such a, um, the opposite of an ego boost. I felt like, what am I even doing here? These, uh, these engineers are way smarter than me. Um, my goal was to sort of displace me um, as a threat modeler. And now I felt like I was no use to the company at all because <laughs> they're so much better. I'm like, oh, so, um, I don't think uh, the security folks uh, will be annoying. Once you start teaching the development team how to threat model, they're going to be way, way better than you. So you just have to, as a security professional, you just have to prepare yourself that they are going to be better than you. And it's okay if they're better than you because they know their system so much better. So 
yeah, um, that your ego will definitely be hurt <laughs> as a part of this process. So I I was not ready for that. Um, but I now every time it happens, I'm so excited because the developers will be considering things that I would never even consider. So it 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 has made the threat models so much more robust, um, and you don't get to you don't even get the chance to be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a term for you. We're going to call this. It's going to be called the threat model threat modeling gut punch. And <laughs> it it's is that moment <laughs> where you're sitting there in the room and the engineers are just going back and forth and they're drawn on the whiteboard and you're like trying to raise your hand and nobody, you know, you're off to the side and and uh but that's a good thing from my perspective. That's it always is. been my goal in threat modeling too is how do I get myself out of this room in the future and still have awesome things happening. And to your point like Developers, engineers, architects, they know their system. Testers, they even pr product managers, they all know their system and their feature 10 times better than I ever will. All I do when I come in the room is I just ask crazy questions that I think I may know the answer to. And a lot of times I don't just to see what happens. But it's really them. They're the experts in what they build. And so that's that's such a powerful concept. Um, for them to be able to to lead that out. And, and I love this idea of, of security taking a back seat because of the threat modeling gut punch that occurred. Yeah, so not only is self-serve threat modeling, it helps you scale because you don't have to be in every single conversation. It helps the organization go faster because security is not the roadblock anymore. It also produces better threat modeling results. So it is a win-win-win um, going down this path. Yeah, that's great. That is great. Okay, so tell me just a tiny bit more about um, a little, just a little bit more depth about your the training process that you've taken because a lot of our listeners are going to be people who are trying to roll out threat modeling and they are probably taking everything in that we're talking about here, thinking about how can I apply this to my program? But one thing I think that, that they could struggle with would be more on kind of like the training side of what, what you've been able to do. So tell us in just a little bit, give us a little more depth, but, but, but explain it more from the perspective of, Hey, pretend I'm somebody who's new to this and I'm trying to build threat modeling in my organization. Like what would you recommend to me that I do that from a training perspective? Yeah, uh, so I'll make a small plug. We have open source the training. So if uh, folks want to look at how we're doing training, uh, definitely have a look at uh, segments uh, GitHub. Uh, the training is in there. And feel free to hit me up uh, if you have any questions. I have my email address in there um, as well. So um, what we looked at was we want to train the developers how we sort of learned how to threat model in the past. Um, so uh, we split up the training into three parts. And we set it up over a six week period. So week zero um, is you get the first training. Um, it's an hour and a half. Um, and then three weeks later, we'll have the second training. It's another hour and a half. And three weeks later, it's a two hour training. And we set it up this way because an hour and a half is a long time. Um, there's a lot of information coming at you. We want you to be able to digest it and think about it before the next time you have a next session. And the next session, we'll do a small recap to remind you what we did in the first session. And then it's uh, enough information for you to digest. And again, the third one. So we want to really spread it over time to give people the ability to sort of digest it. The first training just assumes that you don't know anything about threat modeling. 
And what we do is we, we explain to folks that, guess what, you're threat modeling today. What we call threat modeling in the security world is really just thinking about personal safety. And the first example that we go through is asking folks how they changed uh, their grocery shopping habits after COVID-19 hit. Um, so we'll ask a random person, uh, they'll volunteer information. Um, someone may say that, oh, we go at a different time of the day and I want to dig in. So why do you go at a different time of the day? They're like, okay, there's less people in the grocery store. And I'm like, why is it important that there's less people in the store? And then it sort of clicks at that point and they're like, oh, the risk of catching COVID is less. And that's what we want them to get at, the risk, the threats. Um, and once that clicks, then we have a, a few uh, series of exercises that are relatable in human terms and not software terms. And then we slowly make that transition over to the software side. So the first, first half of the first training is just trying to get you familiar with thinking about risks, thinking, considering threats, and getting you familiar with the threat modeling workflow. And then the second part of the first training is we go through Stride and talk about the various uh, vulnerability classes within Stride and sort of map those back to some of the threats that you're thinking uh, when you're going through those personal experiences. That's the first training. Um, the second training, which happens uh, three weeks later, is that we do a real little recap on what happened in the first training. Then we bring up a couple of different concepts. We talk about assets. And assets are things that you want to protect. And then we relate that back to a data classification standard um, and data in itself. And then we talk a little bit about infrastructure, but um, there you have different type of assets, some assets that you think are, it's okay um, if you don't protect it as much. It's still important that you protect it, but um, you maybe not put as much effort. And there's um, company ending assets as well. So we want to make sure that they identify assets as part of their systems and where they fall into the spectrum. Um, the second new concept that we bring up is diversity and how important it is that you have a diverse set of individuals looking at your threat model. Every single time someone will come up and talk about a threat, a vulnerability, a risk, that I never considered. I'm living in my box and uh, they're coming in with uh, their perspective. So um, we make it a point to uh, tell uh, the senior engineers, if you notice folks not speaking up as part of the threat modeling exercise, please encourage them to speak, DM them, call them out. But it's really important that everyone gets involved as part of the process because the more, more people that are involved, the more robust your threat model um, will become. Um, and the last part of the second uh, training is we go through a couple of hands-on exercises because I want them to get used to threat modeling. Um, and they do that. And then we have uh, the third training, which is threat modeling one of their systems and going through that whole exercise so that they're something familiar, they know where the bodies are buried, so they'll come up with a bunch of threats. So very, it, a lot of material at you, which is why we split it up into a six-week six period. 
That's great. And for, for folks out there that are building their own program, I mean, this is, this is gold <laughs> that was just shared with you here. And, uh, to Jeevan's point there, the segment GitHub, we'll put the link in the show notes so you can go and, um, and, and download the training and, and adapt it for your own, your own perspectives. But, um, that's, that, that is something that'll give you really a great starting point to, to get to where, um, you know, kind of where they operate at today. That's your goal. I want to ask a forward looking question now. So let's imagine we're five years. I've always wanted a time machine and it would be the back to the future DeLorean, like, cause that's the only real time machine that's ever existed in modern, um, fiction or whatever. But, um, let's say we, we could travel t- uh, five years into the future. What, what's success for you as a threat modeling program five years in the future? Like, what are the, what are the things that if you're, you're, you're able to look at the program and kind of see where it is? Like, what are the things where you're going to be like, we have won? <laughs> we have victory. <laughs> we declare victory based on what we see. What are those things? That's a fantastic question. Um, one of, uh, some of the things that we would consider success is that, uh, the security engineering, is only um, brought into the hairiest of threat models. So anything we consider a T0 service um, where we have assets or end user data that's being processed through our system or authentication authorization system. So those are the only ones that we wanna be a part of. Everything else is taken care of on its own. And I, I hate to say it, but I wanna make sure that it's really hard for our bug bounty researchers to find vulnerabilities in our system. So hopefully our um, payout rates for P0s, P1s are something ridiculous. Um, and yeah, uh, so that uh, whoever can find those sort of vulnerabilities, they're gonna be very, very happy. But uh, if if we start seeing um, a lot of uh, all those P0, P1, P2s sort of disappear from um, what we reward to our bug bounties, um, that, that'll be an amazing event for us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jeevan, what would be a key takeaway that or call yeah. to action that you would want to leave with our audience? We always try to leave folks with like one one big thing. You can call it homework you can call it call to action, whatever we want to call it. But what is that for you? Yeah, uh, it'd be really understanding who your engineers are. So figure out who they are, what they care about and use the training and modify it for your use. Um, our, the training at Segment works great for Segment because we know our engineers very well. We know how to deliver the content to them. Um, definitely take the content, mash it up, do what you need to do with it, ask me questions. My email address is part of that GitHub repo um, and provide the content as well as you can for your audience. Um, the community has given us so much uh, with respect to uh, segment. We want to make sure that we can give back to the community. So feel free to do what you need to do with our training. And I'd love to hear stories of how you're delivering it uh, at your organization. Very cool. Very, very cool. Jeevan, thank you for uh, taking the time to share the details of the program that you built and um, answer a lot of different questions about it. I've learned a lot about this this new style of approach. I've heard a lot of things that um, are, are kind of principles that I agree with and have, have been trying to do as well. But she also gave me some other things to think about as I'm looking at other threat modeling programs in the future. So thank you for that. And we look forward to a future conversation about something else cool that you're doing at Segment. 
sounds exciting. And I have, um, if you have any questions, my email address is part of the GitHub. You can hit me up at, uh, at ask Jeevan Singh on Twitter. And um, the uh, one last plug would be, there's a Pacific Northwest conference happening June 19th. Uh, OWASP, Vancouver, Victoria, and Portland have gotten together and we're gonna be announcing our keynotes very shortly. So definitely um, if your speakers wanna hear great AppSec content from coming out of the Pacific Northwest, join us there. Very good, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. You'll find the show on Twitter at AppSec Podcast and on the web at www.securityjourney.com slash resources slash podcast. You can also find Chris on Twitter at EdgeRoute and Robert at Robert Hurlbut. Remember, with application security, there are many paths, but only one destination. <laughs>